This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Lieber. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And a good evening, Delaware Valley, and welcome into Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. A good Saturday evening to you, and uh, on behalf of my partner, Jay Doc, uh, Joe Krause joining you here, and we welcome you into what should be a fantastic show uh, and a great lineup. We're all presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness. We're powered by Pond Hockey Stern and Giordano. We're fueled by our good friends at the Sonesta Hotel, where we'll give you some information later on in the program about our next Labor Leader Roundtable, uh, which will be at the Sonesta Hotel. Jay Doc, always a great time uh, when we bring all of the Labor uh, Leaders together. And also stay tuned for uh, as we look ahead into the fall with midterms uh, in front of us coming up uh, here in the fall of 2018. Uh, some great surprises and some great Labor Leader gatherings sure. uh, that we're going to do at the Sonesta Hotel as well. We're also driven by our good friend Jim Stevenson up at Chapman forward yeah so um it, it's interesting you mentioned the uh, the midterms um uh we're gonna we're gonna bring into the program congressman brian fitzpatrick a republican representing the Pen- pennsylvania's eighth congressional district but before we do i'd like to take our listeners back to the day after the presidential election when we had our you know our, our pa uh, afl cio leader we had pat eiding and we had a group of leadership on on the program and the, the quote from uh president rick blumendale was labor represents labor we're not a political party we're a movement and we support those who support us which is a, a great segue in introducing congressman brian fitzpatrick because uh, it's the big thing in the news today pa afl is an endorsing a, a public a republican candidate uh and, and and a congressman uh you know in this upcoming midterm uh congressman welcome to the show thanks joe thanks for inviting me and hey jay doc how are you it, it, it's it's great to have you here. We're great. Um, first off, tell us a little bit, you know, about you know how you know what what it's been like. You, you know, you're a first term guy, but you've you've stood on your own feet, and your platform and the, and the topics and the things that you support in regards to labor are pretty uh, substantial. Yeah, well, thanks, Joe. And uh, I am a first termer. I've never never held public office before. I, I came here, uh, took a rather unique uh, path to Congress uh, via the FBI. Uh, I've been a career FBI agent for the past 14 years, uh, starting in, in New York City and then um, working down in Washington and then traveling briefly out west uh, to work the well, same uh, and, and let me just say one thing. It, it, it's a great time not to be an FBI guy <laughs> in Washington. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You know. But, you know, it, it was a phenomenal job, and I really do miss it. I miss the people and um, work with uh, some great people. And, and quite frankly, Joe, I mean, that's that's helped shape a lot of my views, specifically when it comes to our friends at AFGE and, and the Bureau of Prisons and a lot of the challenges they've been having. I've been able to be and provide a very unique voice uh, on behalf of them uh, in the legislative process. 
You're, you, let's let's talk about the things that you've supported in regards to to labor, uh, the, the dredging of the Delaware River, your support for fair trade, um, you know, your 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 uh, breaking from the party, you know, orthodoxy in in voting against the repealing of Obamacare and food stamp cuts. Talk about about those things. Yeah, Joe, uh, I think it really comes down to, and and I've shared with uh, my friends Rick Bloomingdale, Pat Iding. Tom Tosti here in Bucks County. Um, sure. When I when I left the bureau and, and I was meeting with various groups, I mean, th- there's just certain things that are that are inherent to our organic DNA about what we believe, where we put our priorities. Um, I grew up as the youngest of eight kids in a very blue blue collar town of Levittown, uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and uh, my grandfather, who unfortunately uh, died when I was very young, but uh, he was an immigrant, as was my grandmother from Ireland. They came in through Ellis Island, and I I grew up uh, not only um, in in a in a blue collar household, where ironically, when my mom was pregnant with me, my dad was a candidate, a Democrat candidate for township supervisor. Uh, interesting little story. But he he always told me um, about my grandfather's immigrant story and how uh, he he was a blacksmith and and he came in through New York and without the unions, uh, he would not have survived and we would not be here because of that. So. Um, that's always stuck with me, and I think it's just something that's uh, instinctive in, our, in, in, in certain people's DNA that when you look at policies that affect working families um, and middle-class families, that there's things that make sense for them um, and, and things that don't. And you either believe that they are the backbone of our country and our economy or you don't. Um, I do, and that's why that uh, every 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 time I view a piece of legislation, any resolution, any regulatory rollback, I always look at how does it affect the working class families like the one I grew up in, Levittown. Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Congressman Fitzpatrick, how do you, let me read a line for you um, that was picked up on a story, and then I want to get you to react to the ability to to understand it and balance it. The Pennsylvania AFL-CIO has endorsed a number of Republicans for state legislative elections, but Fitzpatrick is the only party member to receive that endorsement for a congressional run. I wonder if there, the power behind that statement creates challenge for you, uh, or perhaps not. Um... I don't think it creates a challenge. I mean, I'm honored by it. Uh, I really am. You know, there are, um, you know, people want uh, leaders that are going to stand by uh, the, the views of, their, of the organizations that they seek support from. Um, and certainly I've done that, but there's another element on top of this. As we all know, I mean, there's the political aspect of it. And sure. I totally get the, the pressure that the AFL was probably under. And one of the reasons why I respect them immensely and why every single person in this country should is uh, Rick Bloomingdale made a, a very poignant comment, which I, I was so proud of him for making. He said that this is a labor movement. It's not a political movement. Exactly. Um, and you, as we all know, throughout our country's history, the pendulum always swings back and forth. It always has and it always will. And the most important thing for the longevity and the sustainability of any cause, whatever the cause, whether it be labor or anything else uh, that's worth fighting for, is that we need friends in all corners from all perspectives. Um, And if you have that, you're going to have a more powerful movement. And the role that I believe I play uh, for the labor movement within the Republican caucus is to not only uh, vote the right way and vote in support of, uh, of labor causes and working families, 
not just to be a vote, but to also be a voice, to be a voice in leadership meetings, to be a voice with my colleagues on the floor of the House, to be a voice publicly, as I have many times with the Teamsters, with the laborers, with the building trades, with AFGE, with so many other parts of this responsibility that go beyond just voting. They go towards being a voice, being a vocal voice, and using your pow- the power of your influence to, to change hearts and minds uh, to support our cause. Just, just a quick follow-up to that. Do you think, because of that endorsement, uh, you have the ability to use that as an example to force more change, to force more ability to work on both sides of the aisle? No doubt about it. Um, I have a phenomenal relationship with my Democrat colleagues, uh, particularly the Democrat members of my freshman class. In fact, I was uh, in uh, the district of one of them, uh, my friend Josh Gottheimer uh, in New Jersey. I was up in his district uh, working with him side by side on some critical pieces of legislation. I appeared jointly with him at events, and that's what I believe. Um, it certainly goes a long way towards building those relationships. Uh, but it's also important um, just to send the message. You know, I, I share with a few people that when I um, first got to the, the House of Representatives and I talked about what, you know, I talked to various people about what my core beliefs were uh, with labor and with other things, and I got a, a few uh, snarky comments by some people to basically say, well, Brian, you can be there for, for them all you want, but they're not going to be there for you at the end of the day. And I was on a mission, Joe and Joe, to prove them wrong. And uh, labor uh, certainly uh, did a very courageous thing here. Um, you know, we're in a swing district, uh, without a doubt. Um, but I stood with them, and I was sincere in my, in my efforts and my belief. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I was really, really proud that they did that. And as you can imagine, I went back to these few people that made that comment, and I told them they were wrong. And it was a very, very gratifying thing. Well, you know, and, and also and, and to, to Joe Krause's comment, um, you know, gridlock in Washington has been, you know, one of the issues that, you know, the general public is, it, it's where the dismay has been created. And... Um, your your stance has also taken courage, also you know, to, to to break up that type of gridlock to show people that somebody in your position can support working people. That um, and it, and and I think it goes far to giving faith to the to, to the people and to working people across the region. That you know, and and let's face it, with the with, with the way both houses look, it's important for labor to work on on both sides of the aisle in order to help working people. No doubt about it, Joe. And I think um, I think the one thing that is clear, um, regardless of how this upcoming midterm trans- transpires, I think it's going to be a slim majority on one side or the other. I think everybody pretty much agrees to that much, which makes it all the more important that labor um, really uh, work to build relationships with uh, a lot of the centrists in Congress, both left of center and right of center, so that they can make sure that the interests of the working men and women of Pennsylvania and throughout the country are represented and are preserved and are protected. Uh, as you know, there are a lot of people uh, in certain parts of this country that have a very anti-labor objective, and we, we need a lot of people that are willing to stand up to them through votes, through resolutions, through public statements, through social media statements uh, to stand up to protect working families, and it's really, really important. And also, Joe, um, speaking of Josh Gottheimer, you know, I'm a member, as is Josh, of something called the Problem Solvers Caucus. It's a bipartisan uh, caucus in Congress. I joined it my very first day 
It has a Noah's Ark rule for every Democrat that joins or Republican joins, so the membership is split equally. We're at 48 members total. Uh, we have a, an agreement within our caucus that if, if 75% of the caucus agrees to a, a concept, we agree to vote as a bloc, Democrat and Republican alike. And that's yet another mechanism, another avenue for uh, labor rights to be protected. Because as you can imagine, people that join that kind of group are not ideological on one far fringe or the other. They're centrist. They, they, they come from blue-collar backgrounds uh, and blue-collar values. Exactly. Listen, Congressman Brian uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, representing the Pennsylvania's 8th Congressional District, we want to thank you so much for, for, for what you're doing for working people and let you know we're going to be behind you come the fall. Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. All right. Good stuff with the Congressman. That's Brian Fitzpatrick joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, we'll get to our first break. Continue with the big show uh, right here back in a moment. I won't participate on behalf of ourselves here at Local 98 or the Philadelphia Building Trades in conversations that are purely dominated on social issues that don't affect our jobs. And back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Quick reminder, looking ahead to next Wednesday, August 15th at 4 p.m., uh, the location will be the will be Penn's Landing, and it is the Liberty and Justice for All, Labor United to Free the Children. It is a huge gathering. Uh, it's going to start at 4 p.m. Wednesday, August 15th. Jay Doc, we spent uh, an incredible amount of time on this very program. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, and there's been a lot of chatter about it, uh, even on the radio station during the week, uh, about that event, Liberty and Justice for All, Labor United to Free the Children, that coming up on Wednesday the 15th. A big, it's an absolutely huge event. President Pat Iding talked about it on his monthly show. Uh, it's, a, a, again, a place where labor doesn't typically have a, a, a fight. But they're sticking up for people who can't stick up for themselves. Well, and also, j- uh, just to reemphasize, Senator Bob Casey will be there. Governor Governor Wolf will be there. Mayor Jim Kenney will be there. So uh, in addition to uh, the incredible amount of support that is sus- expected from the labor community, not only locally, uh, but, but also nationally, uh, but, but nationally um, it's getting a lot of juice, getting a lot of fire, and also getting a lot of press. Absolutely. And we're all psyched about it. It's a, a big deal, and we're all going to show out there, you know, put a great show on for the for the children i'm glad to bring into the program uh sam pond uh who's uh you know not only a, a friend of the program but does a weekly a monthly segment with us and uh sam obviously welcome to the show uh something that you're emotional on with what just happened in, in missouri a couple of days ago where the actual citizens in the state voted two to one to reject the recently enacted right to work laws i mean what does that say about you know you're always talking about uh, you know getting you know talk, letting the voting booth speak for you and actually doing that that's it doesn't get any bigger than that i uh, joe couldn't say it better it doesn't get any bigger than that and you know i haven't really popped a, a bottle of champagne uh, recently, but I, I I popped a bottle of champagne after that vote. Absolutely, uh, totally. Uh, quite frankly, in light of the kind of hits that we t- took in, in the Janus case and some other right to work uh, outcomes, whether it was in Wisconsin or other states, um, you know, thirty plus states have this right to work. We really got to step back, and we have to say, where do they get this word from? This phrase, right to work. I spoke yesterday in Wilkesboro. Uh, about the the to some union folks, where did they get this great PR right to work? Right, and I think our listeners have to understand that it's not it's a it's a total 
Deception. Deception. A great word. Total deception. It doesn't represent anything. Uh, it was made up about the folks that wanted gut labor unions to say that, you know, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to have a right to work. Well, you're not going to have a right to collectively bargain and get a decent wage and a decent benefit. That's what you're not going to have. So we've got to change the conversation. We've got, to, we've got to really get the deception uncovered, revealed, big spotlight on it, that this kind of terminology doesn't represent what's best for working men and women, whether it's in Missouri or any other state. And, and, and it's a great example of mobilization. Sam. Yeah, it was. Um, and, yeah, it really was. You know, so I think uh, Missouri AFL-CIO President Mike Lewis said thousands of hardworking men and women in Missouri talked to their neighbors, their friends, their co-workers. Uh, you know, together they knocked on more than 800,000 doors, made more than a million phone calls, and talked to working people uh, on more than a thousand job sites. I mean, that is... You know what well, mobilization? Yeah, well, does? first of all, they got they got the vote and they got the referendum to get a vote for it by getting three hundred thousand signatures or six hundred. I think they needed three hundred. They got they got maybe got double what they needed to have people come out. But the beautiful thing about it is exactly you're hitting again, Joe. Boy, he's hitting. It out no, of I got clock. lucky a couple times. Spot today. on tonight. <laughs> Spot on tonight. Thanks, guys. But, but Joe, but Joe, you, you hit it on because really, what they did was they got mobilized. And what did they do? They did something that one party's really poor at: messaging communicating, getting out and what's important to folks. And what's important to folks is my job. I want to go to where you spend most of your time. Am I able to make a decent living for myself and my family? Am I going to live the American dream and have hope for the next generation? I, you know, this is, I think, kind of a, a canary in the mind as to maybe what's happening politically. And, and people are starting to come around and understand, look, the best, strongest time we had economically, the growth of our middle class, occurred when the best in the 50s we're not going back to the 50s because they're gone but that was the height of the union movement that was the ability for unions to have some power and understand and sit down with employers collectively bargain and again get a decent wage you know how are people supposed to have live above the poverty line and not and out ask for welfare or not ask for any kind of benefit when you're paying ten bucks an hour? That's not even the minimum wage. Give them a decent wage. The only way they can do it is to collectively bargain, sit down, and have a level playing field with an employer. And they're well, look, we the number one thing is we need we need risk takers, we need capitalists, we need people to go to invest in businesses to run them. We understand that, sure. But we also understand that we need people to have a decent living wage. And and when you talk about right to work and you've you've said this many times sam about the deceptive the pr you know in other words sometimes the far right beats us in the in, in the pr game they come up with these creative like paycheck protection but mm -hmm. really like pat eiding says it's paycheck deception now you talk about right to work who in america if you're hearing the words right to work would not say hey i'm for that really it's the right to work for less because it gives you the ability and it encourages individuals to unorganize and 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 there you're not non-collectively bargaining, and you're shooting yourself in the foot. It's the right to, uh, to work for less. So no question about that. Uh, to me, Sam, and I, it shows that the right underestimates the, you know, the general public and working people from you know, across America. This is a great example. For, for all states to understand that nothing, no matter what Janus, no matter what the repercussions of Janus are, we're never out of it. Oh, I think again, Joe, you're, you're spot on in understanding that this is an example. This is something that has to be followed. This kind of playbook that happened in Missouri 
going forward has to be implemented in other states if the working men and women of our country are going to have a chance. Well, uh, Sam, you're spot on. And certainly, you know, obviously we appreciate your support. And, and, and we're always in these fights, whether it's for injured workers. And we're going to have a an injured worker special coming up because the, the same attacks that happen with working people happen to injured working people. And we appreciate your hard work on in, in, in representing all of us uh, throughout the, uh, the, the the state of Pennsylvania, the city of Philadelphia and beyond. So, again, thanks a lot for being on the program. And uh, honor and a privilege. Awesome. Managing partner of Pond La Hockey Stern and Giordano, Sam Pond. Uh, also, the spotlight shines brightly uh, on uh, Sam Pond weekly here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, you can call him a personality, uh, perhaps his own star of Legal Eagles Radio with Sam Pond. You'll hear that tomorrow night, Sunday night, and every Sunday night at 6 p.m. We'll get to a commercial break here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. When we come back uh, on the other side of the break, Phil Glover will join us. Who is he? We'll explain when we come back. I believe there's room, okay, for the national building trades, the local building trades, that have partnerships with the Trump administration as it pertains to energy, as it pertains to infrastructure, as it pertains to the undocumented worker. And back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210. WPHT along with J-Doc, I'm Krause as we come to you around the Delaware Valley. A quick reminder again as we look ahead uh, to next Wednesday, 4 p.m. Uh, at Penn's Landing, Liberty Justice for Liberty and Justice for All, Labor United to Free the Children uh, is going to start at Penn's Landing at 4 o'clock. J-Doc, we've done multiple programs on the event. President Pat Eiding spent a good portion of his uh, of his live show uh, last Saturday uh, talking about it. And of course, on this radio station, uh, there has been plenty of conversation uh, about the event of both for and against, uh, with the clarity, again, liberty and justice for all, labor united to free uh, the children. All of that uh, is on Wednesday. I want to read for us, uh, UJ Doc, uh, a bullet point, and then I'll give you the opportunity to segue and we transition our, uh, our next guest, which we're thrilled to have uh, for the listening audience. In one fell swoop over the Memorial Day weekend... President Trump limited federal union representatives to no more than 25% of their time assisting colleagues. I'm happy to bring into the program Philip Clover of the American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE District 3 National Vice President. Uh, Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, if you will, uh, Talk about President Trump's executive order that severely impacted our government uh, workers' rights, their ability to properly be represented, and ultimately their jobs. Yeah, what he what he did is on uh, May 25th, right as the uh, Memorial Day weekend started, he he issued three executive orders. These are things that they haven't been able to move through Congress uh, for years, and so he went at it through an executive order situation, and and. Uh, the first one dealt with uh, rights of the employees and basically took away some of their appeal rights. They took away uh, time limits, even though we have negotiated contract agreements on how much time you have, for instance, to respond to a discipline or an adverse action. The executive order limits that time for the employees to respond. Uh, he also took away uh, the rights to use performance-based discipline instead of uh, punitive discipline. So 
he did a lot of that in the first executive order. Second executive order, he hit collective bargaining. Uh, he limited our scope of bargaining. He limited the time limits for bargaining. Uh, you know, these things have been negotiated for the last 30, 40 years in the federal sector. And, you know, he took that stuff away by fiat, by executive order. And then the last thing he did is he went after the unions themselves. Uh, in the federal sector, we are open shop. Uh, 1978, we have a Civil Service Reform Act that came out that allowed us to negotiate official time with management. Uh, now, keep in mind, these are SES. These are senior executive service people running these federal agencies. And so I was a GS-7, for instance, uh, law enforcement officer negotiating with an SES uh, assistant director over time for the federal prison system, for instance. And apparently we out-negotiated them because he took it down to uh, where we are only to have an hour of time per bargaining unit employee per year to help these people with grievances, with collective bargaining, uh, with all these other things, and limited to the maximum amount, 25% of their time. Now, that's been negotiated for 30 years. And so th he came down on us hard over that weekend, um, and, it, and it went unnoticed because it was Memorial Day, except for federal employee unions. And Phil, the rea Talk to our audience about what your reaction is to it. How are you trying to fight uh, to push it off? So what we've done is we built a coalition of all unions that represent in some way federal or public employees. Uh, AFGE uh, worked with Ask Me. We've worked with uh, all the large unions and the small ones, uh, anyone who represented federal workers. And our attorneys, uh, including the AFL-CIO, and our attorneys got together over that weekend. They worked through the weekend, and by Tuesday or Wednesday morning, our attorneys had filed a lawsuit in the federal court that these orders uh, violated the First Amendment. Uh, these orders violated federal statute. They attempted to circumvent Congress. And so right now we've been in court. Uh, we had a hearing on July 25th uh, with a federal judge in D.C., and we're waiting for her to make a decision. She said she is going to make a expedited decision, and we should hear something by August 24th. Um, and so hopefully she'll overturn these. In the meantime, what we've been doing is trying to mobilize our members, get them to understand uh, how these executive orders affect them, and we are working to mobilize with Congress. We've gotten uh, congressmen on both sides of the aisle who have now sent letters to the Trump administration, basically telling them that they feel these uh, executive orders are illegal, that they cross uh, over into con congressional purview. And so we're, we're working on that, and we're working with that across labor and with any other groups that uh, support labor. Phil, um, talk about the type of, of, of grievances that, uh, you know, that uh, get affected in regards to the, the, the response times. Talking about addressing sexual harassment uh, claims, work, resolving work, workplace issues and problems. Why? Why would the president do something so egregious? Well, we believe, uh, frankly, that we have been very effective over the years in taking care of our membership. And we've grown for the last 26 years. AFG, as a union, is one of the few that, even in an open shop environment, we have grown every single year uh, in 26 years. So, and last year, he proposed a number of changes to the federal sector 
he attempted to take retirement away, uh, pieces of our retirement uh, program. He, through his budget, he attempted to limit a lot of things through his budget. He couldn't get that through. He's attempted to merge agencies. He hasn't been able to get that through. And so we believe that his attack on AFGE at this point and labor in general um, is an is an effort to get rid of us, get us out of the way, and then he'll implement the things against our employees that he wants to implement, and we won't be there to fight back. We're in the middle of a conversation with Philip Glover of the American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE District 3. Uh, Phil is the national uh, vice president. Uh, we are uh, coming to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, it's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Uh, Phil, mobilization. Yeah. You said you're going to meet with the members. Um, uh, how important is it now more than ever uh, for members to get engaged, um, especially in it with a topic like this. Uh, how oh, important huge, is it for huge. them to get engaged, and what can they do to help you know, defeat this thing? Well, we are building uh, petition drives at our locals to go to members of Congress. We're doing phone calling, phone banking to call Congress. Uh, we are doing press events. We're doing rallies in different places. We did a huge rally on Capitol Hill. Right out, right, In fact, on July 25th, we did a Red for Feds rally um, right outside the uh, uh, courthouses, and we had and, about. And, 2, I, and I want you to address that. What, okay. Yeah, what is the Red for uh, for Feds uh, campaign? What what is that? It's to raise awareness of uh, federal workers in workplaces. Get our members to do something every Wednesday. Wear red to show their management that they're with the union and that they're with uh, keeping their rights and and against these things and it's just a way to build some solidarity uh in our memberships uh every week phil optimistic or uh, uh, about the uh, upcoming ruling from the dc judge or is there no clarity or, or or no way to no way to understand which way the judge would rule well we think that she I think she understood our arguments. Um, she asked a lot of pointed questions during the hearing. The hearing went over four and a half hours, which uh, is pretty long uh, for a federal proceeding like this. And she was able to ask some very serious questions. There was actually an, an article in one of the federal kind of federal pubs, publications that indicated her comment was uh, that that the it seemed that whoever drafted these left out the entire other side of the labor equation, that this was all one-sided. And she kind of made that reference. Uh, so we're hoping, I mean, we have a good sense, or we feel we're, we're in a good position on the case, but obviously you never know. Uh, she could split uh, the case up. She could approve certain sections and others, you know, throw out. You know, in the end, we feel that, you know, with this administration, as they did on immigration and other issues, if they get a rejection here, they'll just try to rewrite it. They'll appeal. They'll rewrite it uh, and they'll try and implement it again. And we're going to be fighting that off. Phil Glover joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Phil, we're going to ask you to hold on. We're going to take care of some business uh, as we roll to a commercial break here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. You're listening proudly to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor back in a moment. I've been coming out of that with them guys, okay? And mm -hmm. I was a treasurer of the Democratic Party. 
You know, I've been a loyal Democrat my whole life. But I've told people, and it hasn't, like I told you, it just didn't resonate with this election. If you look at the last few years, I've been telling people we have to become a little bit more individual. We have to be more of our own brand. Mm -hmm. We have to do a better job of becoming a business. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. A quick reminder, and Jane Doc, I say it often uh, to our listening audience, but I can't endorse Jimmy Stevenson from Chapman Ford uh, any more than uh, I do or than I'm allowed to do or, or, or as much as I can. For 30 years uh, at Chapman Ford up on the boulevard, Jimmy has been servicing uh, the labor community uh, with an unconditional commitment to everything uh, that they do, and I want to continue to support him as well as thank him for supporting Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Now, yeah, we're talking to, to, to Phil Glover, and um, he, we're, 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 we're talking about the executive order that the president put through against you government workers. Um, but one of the things we also want to talk about is to get his opinion on what happened in Missouri a couple of days ago. But um, before we talk about that, uh, I want to talk about um, the labor community support for the for the government workers. How's it, how's it been, and how's how's it helped the cause, Phil? Well, it obviously has helped uh, generate a lot of support in our uh, across the labor community with uh, our members understanding now that labor is in this entire fight. And what, like at our rally on the 25th, for instance, in D.C., the entire AFL-CIO Executive Council. Uh, took a time out essentially from their executive meetings and came over to our rally so that they, and that not for all of them to speak, but they all stood with us in solidarity over there. Uh, each of the international presidents. And that's a, I think that's a big thing. Uh, all of the, like the Philadelphia AFL CIO, the uh, Pennsylvania state fed, Delaware state fed, they have all helped us get members of Congress onto these letters to the white house, uh, especially in district three where I work. Uh, you know, we've been and I'm sending that stuff out to our local presidents and our members to let them know that they have support from uh, labor and that we need to be supporting them. Um, you know, when they have something, we better get out there and help them. And, and, and so uh, we've been, this is a good tie tie in, I think. And, and, and President Pat Eiding here in Philadelphia, we've talked about this several times on the program and, and supporting uh, the government workers. You know, I asked you a, a little while ago about why Trump would do something like this, but What's the legal reason that a president would create create a an executive order like this? It certainly is not helping the workers. It doesn't help the 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 the, the people doing the jobs. How could you possibly uh, create an executive order like this with any real reasoning? Well, again, I look. President Trump, to me, uh, is used to running a company with his name on it. Right. Uh, he wants things done when he wants them done. He doesn't care who he hurts. And frankly, uh, I don't think he liked the fact that Congress uh, last year basically ignored most of his proposals with the federal government. We work with a lot of members of Congress on both sides of the aisle. And, you know, we are a very bipartisan union when it comes to those things. And so we have a lot of friends <laughs> on both sides. And. You know, each time they put up a proposal, we would go to our friends and say, look, do you want to do this to your constituents back home? And they looked at it and said, no. Why would I want to take $800, for instance, out of their first supplemental retirement plan so that, what, they have to go out and find 
a job for $800 if you're already retired from the federal government. And, you know, it's just, uh, I just think that he wants what he wants. He doesn't care uh, what he does. And, and so these executive orders were a way to push this down the road. We also feel that Vice President Mike Pence is part of this because of what he did in Indiana to the civil service unions there. Uh, he restricted them. He went after them. He did a lot of things up there. And we think a lot of this program is coming out of that and out of Wisconsin. I'm talking with Phil Glover from the American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE District 3. Uh, Phil is the national vice president uh, and glad he's spending some time with us here on Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. Phil, just a couple of minutes left uh, in the segment. I did want to get, as J-Doc mentioned, uh, I did want to transition into um, what we talked about earlier in this program about being a victory for workers and being a victory for unions where in Missouri uh, voters uh, voted uh, two to one uh, to reject the recently enacted right uh, to work laws. And and here in Philadelphia, amongst the communities, we're celebrating that victory. Oh, I think uh, that was a great victory out in Missouri. Obviously, they are not a they are not a very huge liberal leaning uh, state, obviously, most of their state reps and, and, and senators and, you know, the, the governor that signed that bill, uh, you know, they're not uh, union friendly, but the but certainly the uh, mobilization that happened out there on the ground exactly. must have touched a nerve. And I think mem- I think the public out there uh, were, were educated more than they have been on that issue. That that, you know, that mantra that has been established by the right wing of right to work which is a misnomer uh you know we always try to counter it with right to work for less but yes you know i think the mobilization that happened out there i think in the education piece and the fact that we focused on it labor focused on it and very hard uh was a great victory for labor that you know certainly it's not over uh you know we're going to hear from them again out there but they're and they're going to move to other states they keep trying this they've tried it in pennsylvania a little bit uh but you know I think, I think people may be waking up, uh, you know, with, with the House, Senate, and White House being controlled by one party, they cannot hide their agenda. And, and, uh, and you, know. you, you talked about the mobilization. Uh, and, and, I'd and, love to get that model, Jay doc I mean, we've had on this very program, Governor, Governor Wolf told you in an interview, we have to do a better job uh, of communicating and speaking to the union laborers. Senator Bob Casey told you the same thing. State Rep Mike Driscoll told you the same thing. Three uh, government officials have said we've got to do a better, Jay, with, better job with communicating. Well, without a doubt. And, 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 and what, I would, you know, what, I would, what I would say, and I, you know, and, and, and I would say this to Phil, that now more than ever, it's so important for our labor leaders to be talking to our un- rank-and-file union members to get them engaged. And if anything, this is a great example of what happened in Missouri to the entire United States. Phil, I'll give yeah, you last, give you last word on it, Phil. Well, I think uh, if we can replicate that model, like the West Virginia teachers, like the Oklahoma teachers, all these these teacher unions that don't have a lot of rights, I mean, frankly, they, in their states, they don't have a lot of collective bargaining rights don't have a lot of grievance rights, but boy, they sure did mobilize and they got out there and they got themselves a raise and they increased education funding. We have to replicate that all over uh, with organized labor. We have to. Phil Glover, American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE District 3 National uh, Vice President. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us here uh, on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Uh, We appreciate it very, very much, Phil. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Phil. All right, good stuff Thank with you. Phil Glover, uh, Jay Doc. Just to, we we have less than a minute. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to uh, to to, to um, uh, give your opinion as we close out. No, I mean it's a great show. Um, outstanding um, movement in America by you know our labor unions. You know a big the big deal of what happened in Missouri shows that uh, people can mobilize and people can uh, make a difference. They voted two to one to knock down right to work. It, to me, it's an example of the far right underestimating uh, working people. And I'm proud to say that it, it worked in Missouri and it can work anywhere. We thank you so much for tuning in and listening uh, to the show. We thank Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick. We thank uh, managing partner of Pond La Hockey Stern and Giordano Sam Pond. And we thank Phil Glover for doing the last half hour of our program here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Don't forget the gathering on Wednesday, August 15th on behalf of Jay Doc and all of our listeners. I'm Joe Kraus. Good night, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.